Welcome to a special edition of the Fins Up podcast. I'm your host, Sado Dan, and tonight I've been stood up by Terry, who is still having a whinge about last week, but uh, the show must go on. Uh, so what I've done is I've actually gone out and I've got a bigger, better, more tattooed, and quite frankly, better looking co-host tonight in the form of former heavyweight champion, Lucas Big Daddy Brown. Lucas, mate, thanks for coming on and classing up the joint. That's awesome. <laughs> We've, got, we've got to stick together, mate. How, how are you enjoying the uh, the social distancing era? To be, to be completely honest, I'm one of those people who um, I'm pretty much that way inclined anyway. Uh, I don't I don't hang around many people. I obviously got the gym and everything else, but I don't go out and actively look for people sort of thing. So for me, nothing much has changed. So it's been pretty good. <laughs> mate, mate, it's funny you mentioned that. It's um, all my mates like we've got to catch up. I'm like, well, we never caught up before this, so. That's right. How's um how's how's training going, mate? I know you had a fight lined up. Obviously, nothing's. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone in a couple of months. You, you got a fight lined up, or? It, it basically, um, I was going to make my Vegas debut. So for me, that was something sensational, and, and was going to really be something to tick off the bucket list, sort of thing. Um, and that was scheduled for the twenty eighth of May. So they basically brought out all this shit a week or just a week and a half before the actual fight date, before, like, literally the day I was going to fly out. So um, it's all right. At least, at least I didn't get caught up in all the shit and sort of – I didn't get there, and then they said, oh, it's off. So at least they, they stopped it before I left. Um, but it just means, yeah, I've, I've got to now wait and see to when we can actually do something. Mate, that's uh, – lucky you didn't get caught in America there. Uh, they're not having the best time yeah. over there. <laughs> Hey, um, as this is a footy podcast, mate, we'll dive into some Paris stuff before we talk some boxing. Um, I, I I saw some highlights that I think you shared of a, a young, a young, quick and uh, long blonde haired Lucas Brown running down the wing for Parramatta. Uh, I'm very colourblind, so it could have been could have been Brown, um, mate. Tell us about your para days, your junior days with the Eels. But it definitely was Brown, just let you know. It was, yeah. Thought but, so. um, when it was there, it was Brown, yeah, exactly. Um, now, basically, I, I played soccer up until I was um, in the under-14s. Uh, I started getting a bit too big and a bit too violent for soccer, so I thought I'd give myself a try of footy. Um, so I, I finished my soccer career with a red card for punching someone, and I left it at that. So uh, I basically I tried out for the Parramatta Eels, um, and they said on the, on the particular form, yeah, what team you played for? I, I wrote soccer because you know, I didn't play for a team, you know. So I tried out and I made the uh, the Harold Matthews. Now back then you only played uh, half a season and you had to go and play for like a club side afterwards. So I played the Harold Mats. I was front row. Um, I played. It was it was it was a weird time for me because it was all new. I was also sort of just in awe of everything, you know what I mean? So it was a, I played well, but I didn't play as well as I should have because I was just I was too busy looking around and watching everyone else do their thing. Um, but we, we won the grand final, which is good. Uh, and I said halfway through the season, they said, okay, go play club. So I went and played for Wenty, the Magpies. So um, I'm, I'm a Granville boy, so it just made sense. I'd go play for Wenty. Uh, we also won the grand final for that, and I got rookie of the year all in the same game. So, uh, sorry, and I made uh, MCS schoolboys. So, for a first year of footy, I'm like, this is pretty good. Yeah. 
Mate, that's an insane start. I'd actually joked um, when Cronulla were looking for a front rower a couple of years ago, I actually threw your name up. You got another grand final in you? Yeah. Mate, that's incredible. I'd, I'd, I'd have a go, but I'd have to play for Cronulla. I wouldn't play for Cronulla. <laughs> Most of the listeners are Sharks fans, man, so have Adam. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. Um, <laughs> what, 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 why'd you give up footy? Just, just wasn't your deal? Then um, that was also the, the next year was when they brought out all that Super League stuff, uh, and I think they changed the years. So I was in the 16s, but it was SG Ball, uh, and that's when I played with um, the likes of uh, High Marsh and Jason Kalis, and yeah, like the, I could rattle on it. Scott Geddes, uh, yeah, there's a whole a whole lot of names I could sort of rattle on. So, but in that particular season, because I'd I basically stayed the same size, and everyone else grew bigger. Um, but I still had some speed, so that was when I played on the wing. So for the 16s or slash 17s, whatever it was, I played on the wing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was really, I was in my own. I, I scored tries left, right, and centre, which is great. Um, just running over all these little fellas. But I wouldn't say I was the fastest player, but I, I had some pace, yes. But being my size, it was hard to stop me. So I then got to the, I think it was the 18s, um, and I got kicked out of home, all that sort of stuff, and I just wasn't, I wasn't getting paid from para, um, and my heart was never really in it, but if I was getting paid, it would be a different story, I'd look at it as a job, but because I wasn't getting paid, I thought, well, shit, I've got to get a job now, I don't have a house or anything else, so I sort of just left it to the side, and I never went back, unfortunately. It's a fair call, it uh, it was definitely brown hair for people listening, I got that one wrong. Hey, mate, I'm, selfishly, I'm going to jump forward here to the world title win. I got a confession. You're a long way away from me, but um, yeah. it was about 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. It was about 4 degrees from memory in Grafton, and I, I woke the wife up to put the fight on. Uh, in the sixth round, I turned to her, and I said, ah, oh, shit, he's done. Um, happy to eat my words, but uh, were you thinking the same? Because you got up. Pretty quick, I got to admit. I, I mean, I, I thought it was over. Yeah. Um. The, the reason I got up pretty quick was because I literally he, he, he sort of went for my right hand body, so I looked down there, and he's then hit me with the left overhand, and I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. So when I sort of I, I flash knockout, so to speak, I sort of looked up and went, "Shit, I better get up." <laughs> so like I didn't know what was going on. I thought I didn't know how long I was on the ground for or anything. So I've just gone, "Shit, I better get up," and I did. So I, it took me to, to the rest of the round to really sort of come good, and then seventh round I was fine. But uh, I made sure I sort of just danced around as much as I possibly could in the sixth round and sort of fuck, I'm not going anywhere near him. Mate, it was good to watch. Fast forward to the tenth round, my my now ex-wife had gone back to sleep, and I woke her up again, yeah. yelling, "Holy fuck, he's knocked him out!" And the yeah. look, the, mate, it was worth not speaking of for three days. What what was the feeling like? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's worth not speaking of at all, to be honest. But um, now, basically, I, I hit him with that shot. He, he come over with that left hand overhand again, so I've ducked under that and hit him with the right hand on the chin. Um, it's dropped him, obviously, and I've gone to the corner. I've looked at my corner and have gone, jump on him. I've gone, I am. You know, so <laughs> I realised the next sort of barrage of punches were not pretty at all, but they were what's needed. And I knew that I didn't want to let him off, so I just threw everything possible that was going, like, that I could think of. Um, 
And to his credit, like he's never been knocked out or, or knocked down at all, like ever. You know what I mean? So to his credit, he's, he's one tough bastard, and he wouldn't go down. You know what I mean? So the ref called it off, and I've I've turned around and you know, both hands in the air, gone yes, and there wasn't a single fucking noise in the crowd whatsoever. I'm like, oh shit, we're in trouble now. <laughs> I um I actually wrote here um th- on the knockdown you sort of followed him and then realised and moved back. I counted fourteen yeah. unanswered punches, and I mean the guy was out on his feet. Like you said, he wouldn't go down. There was dead silence after the the shots and after it was called off, except one woman was yelling at the camera. I think they translated it to "fuck off" or something of the like. What what was the atmosphere like? Um. In all honesty, like prior to that, every it was awesome. There was about five thousand people in the in the stadium. They were going bananas, uh, but not for me, as you can imagine. So <laughs> when I actually stopped him, it was dead silent. And my manager at the time, Matt Clark, jumped over the ropes, was an absolute pork chop, like screaming at the top of his lungs. And I've looked at him, and my security mode jumped in, and I've gone, "Listen, shut the fuck up." <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I just had to do it, but. That chick that went off at the camera, that was his missus. That was his wife. Oh, gotcha. So they sort of brought the camera on her to get her reaction. She's like pissed off. Oh, you know I, I mean? so, understand. Probably so. I would have, I'd have the shits at the moment as well, you know. <laughs> that, was, well, that makes a lot more sense. Um, <laughs> they, they, The crowd started booing, which was just... Obviously, at the stoppage, said... I watched a couple of highlights earlier. I mean, if he didn't stop, he would... He wasn't going down, but he was like, he was dead to the world. That had to feel yeah, good. In all honesty, my, my next sort of, because I, I had the barrage, as I said, and he's still standing there, I was basically going to take a step back and then just come back with a nice big one, two sort of thing. So the ref actually stopped at the perfect time because I would have sort of started loading up more. I, I said, I was just throwing shit to just throw shit, but I was really going to sort of step back and go, fuck it, I'm just going to hit him now, you know what I mean? So the ref did stop it at the right time, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Um, the celebration, you sort of alluded to this earlier, it looked like one of, oh my God, I've done it, but I better be quiet here. Was that was that just respect, <laughs> disbelief, or just self-preservation? <laughs> um, a bit of self-preservation, to be honest, because... Um, where you can sort of see me, um, but like so on, on my behind, there was a, a spot where there were like lounges and stuff, and that's where the president himself was sitting. So the president was best mates with Shigeyev, and I was in the hotel with all the other fighters and stuff, and Shigeyev stayed in the compound with the president. Well, that's how close they were, you know, and, and that's how much he was putting on it. Because it was it was the president's show. He, he supplied everything. He, he did the whole lot. So... From that, I've just turned around and we've gone, okay, we're in trouble, you know, because the president's now got the shits. <laughs> and Buffer, Buffer's turned around and, and done his little thing and congratulations, rah, rah, rah. I've looked at Buffer and said, can I say something? Because I literally, I wanted to say, you know, thanks to the public and my fans and this and that and all the rest of it. And he went, nope. I went, oh, <laughs> shit. Let's go to the change room before I get in trouble. So it was just, yeah, it was something that we weren't sure what to do because we were in, obviously, a... a a hostile environment, so to speak. Um, so we'll just be as polite as we possibly could, yeah. Mate, it was so cool. I um jump jumping forward. I've thought all over the place with these questions, but we'll make do. Um, I watched your interview, your sit down with Dillian White. Um, it was about thirty minutes, and I reckon he did ninety percent of the talking. What's what's it like interviewing with a bloke who just won't shut up? I think there's, there's no 
myself. I, I don't. I don't really care about talking. I don't trash talk. I don't do any of that sort of stuff. I do all my talking with my fists in the ring. Um, some people, I think, like Dylan White, have to sort of convince himself that he wants to be in a fight. Um, and I think that's a lot of thing. What he was doing. Someone like a, a, a Tom Little as well is basically convincing everyone else that they should watch the fight. So that, yeah, so he talks himself into a fight and then tries to hype it up as much as he possibly can because he knows he's shit. Dylan White's not shit, of course, but I think he sort of has to reconfirm it with himself that, yes, this is what I should be doing, where I don't really care. I just want to get to the fight and punch him in the face, you know what I mean? There, there was a line there where he said, all he does is punches, and you you could just see you like, what? What the fuck? Man, what? <laughs> that, that might... It, it came across like you were having a lot of fun, but like you said, he, he did most of the talking, but um, that that was an insane interview. I, I've rewatched that two or three times just to watch your reaction when he said all he does is punch. Yeah. Well, the whole thing, the, the, the thing about um, UK in general is that they, they really do look after the boxing so much more. There's more people involved. There's more money involved, 10 times more money. So it really is a spectacle, and... Dylan White was the first one where, obviously I had the world title, but it wasn't in the UK, where the Dylan White fight in the UK was my first big sort of, here we are, you know what I mean? Um, It was at the O2 Arena. Uh, There was a lot of hype about it at that stage. That that was before I'd lost anything ever. So I was still, I still had my zero. So there was a lot of hype involved. And I was just loving the moment to be involved in it all. It was really good. That's cool. It was good fun. Well, you, um, jump, jumping forward to your, or back to your cage fighting days, most people won't know that you had a had a go at the old MMA, uh, including a fight against Daniel Cormier, who is like arguably the pound for pound best fighter in the world. What, what was that like at a time where you like he was still young, but he's an Olympic wrestler? Yeah, yeah. Well, initially, I was supposed to be fighting someone from his gym. Uh, and his name was Mike Kyle. So he was a six foot four stand up fighter. So I trained this whole time for this six foot four stand up fighter. Then three or four days out, they've gone, oh, listen, we're sending this other fellow over instead. So from that point of view, it was still a world title. Um, I'd sold so many tables and all that sort of shit. So for me to pull out would have just like obviously disappointed a lot of people at the same time. So. I thought, we'll give it a go. I realise he's a two-time Olympic wrestler, but hey, you never know, you know what I mean? Um, at that stage, he was 2-0. and He had two fights, like on Strike Force, which is still a big promotion, but he was no one, so to speak, in terms of MMA uh, side of things. So, yes, I lost, I understand, but I lost to one of the best on the planet, so I'm, I can take that. <laughs> but, um, mate, I'm not a wrestler. I never was a wrestler, and to be completely dominated by a wrestler and it's it's very disheartening and it was one of those sort of wake-up calls for me where i knew if i wanted to be something good with all this uh, and go to america they are wrestlers and they are very good at wrestling so for me it was a very good wake-up call to think fuck it i'll just stick with boxing because i like punching better punching you reckon you could take him now uh in a boxing fight yes yeah. <laughs> in an mma fight hell no Right. Mate, that was incredible. I remember watching that fight and thinking, Who, who's this bloke? Jeez, he can, he can wrestle. Wasn't wrong. Um, back, back to boxing, mate. Who's the best heavyweight in the world right now for you? Um, I still think AJ because he's got all the belts. So I realise, you know, Fury's got one belt and whatever the fuck, and he keeps going on about having the lineal belt, but whatever. Um, he's got one belt. He's got the WC belt and 
don't get me wrong, six foot nine, can move, can box, and I've sparred him, and he's fucking unbelievable. Like, he really is really good. But AJ's got all the belts. So I'd, I would pick AJ as number one. I'd pick uh, Tyson Fury as number two. And then there's a very, very sort of big batch of people that I put at number three. So for number one, AJ, number two, Fury. Fair enough. Did, what did you make of AJ's couple of fights? I can't remember his name, the, the big guy. That's so? Yeah, that's so. Yeah, oh, your words, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, seriously, for a fat fucker, he's quick as fuck, isn't he? Hey, mate, he can go. Yeah, um, Andy, Andy Ruiz is his name, Andy Ruiz Jr. Ruiz. Like that. Yeah, oh. no, honestly, he's been like that. Like, if you look back to when he first started boxing as a young kid, he's always been like a little chunky fella. It's just what he does and, and how he's been, you know. I, I, I honestly think he should probably be a cruiserweight if he actually lost weight. But. You know, it's worked for him. He's become world champ, so why not? You know what I mean? But, um, mate, the guy is absolutely lightning fast, especially for his size. He, mate, he gives us, he gives us overweight fellas a shot. I can be the world champ. Um, yeah, the, mate, the dad bod. The dad bod. That, that's the way I'm going to, the dad bod army. Mate, your last fight against John Hopawade, um, bit, bit of a mismatch in, in, um, in real terms, but he, he stood in on almost no notice. Got, got to give it up for the bloke. Basically, I was, I was supposed to fight Bowie Tupu, um, and that would have been a cracker of a fight. Uh, unfortunately, Bowie wasn't... I don't think Bowie was really there mentally. Um, he was getting belted around and knocked around and knocked out in sparring. So his trainer's basically gone, fuck it, it's off. Which, rightly so, like, you don't want to put the guy into... Especially with me, I'm, I'm a, I've got heavy hands. So if he's getting knocked out in sparring by, by lesser fighters, I'll definitely knock him out and hurt him, possibly. So... Um, I had a couple of other people, Argentinians and shit like that, on the cards, but it didn't come through. So, yeah, John was going to be on the card anyway, but uh, he wasn't training for me, obviously. So, yeah, three days before they said, you're with Hopper, I'm like, yeah, I've trained, I want to fight, so fuck it, let's do it, yeah. Mate, that was insane. It was a um, good fight. I think I I watched it on it. Someone was filming it, I think came out a few weeks later, but... uh... Mate, you look you look good for a last change of opponent, and Jeezy, he, um, he's tough, but he Jeezy uh, ate a few. Well, to be honest, the, the the same guy has basically said to me, he goes, listen, take it easy on him. I've gone, all right, no worries. So I have. I've come out, taking it easy. He's fucking just started swinging and like hit me with a great left, and I've gone, fuck rightio. <laughs> so we're in for a fight. So I thought, Let, let's do it. So yeah, I, I was still shocked. Taking it somewhat easy, but like making sure I wasn't going to get hit at the same time. So, yeah, he, he ate a few at the end. Uh, was still standing, but the moment he went back to his corner, he just over <laughs> He went so to. He had no idea what was going on. Mate, there's a clip. I'll see if I can find it later. The Benny Hill music where he falls. It's um, not in good taste, but I got a laugh out of it. What what are your thoughts on these footy players coming in? Like, as a Sharks fan, I'm a pretty big Paul Gallen fan, but I've got to admit, that Gallen-Barry Hall thing came across a bit of a farce. They're fantastic athletes, but I'd rather watch yourself, like Luke Jackson, you know, the, the Maloney boys go around. What, what's your thought? What's what's the feeling in the industry? There's a, there's a few points I'd like to make on that. Now, I, I firstly, I have no problem whatsoever with footy players wanting to box i think it's fucking absolutely great and it brings attention to boxing so i 100 percent am for it there's two points that i don't like and the, the, the one of the points is they're getting paid 10 times more than what boxers like myself are getting paid 
So I realised my fight was against Hapawadi and it was a no-one fight. But I was I was going to get paid twelve grand for that. Now you put Gallon and Hall, who got, who only who only fought six two-minute rounds. They weren't even three-minute rounds, and they got paid like four hundred grand each, which is double what I got for the fucking world title. See what I mean? So. I don't care that they fight, but if you're going to pay people that money, might as well pay the boxers that money too. Now, the second point, which again, as, as, as a boxing point of view, after the Gallon and Hall fight, there was a world title fight that Maloney had, and either people switched off or the screens got turned off at, at the venues because no one gave a shit. And I think that's wrong for boxing. Like, this poor kid's got a world title. Aussies should be there getting behind him and they've turned the TVs off because the footy players are finished, you know, so again, he wouldn't have got anywhere near 400 grand, he would have got something like 20 so, they're, they're my two points that I don't like, I, I'm all for it but I don't like those two points Mate, I, I actually watched that night, I ordered it on the pay-per-view on my phone, watched it with my son um, I, I stayed and watched the Maloney fight but the Twitter buzz went from everyone tweeting about it to me and three other purists so, yeah. absolutely yeah. agree Paul, Paul Gallen, now that he's retired, um, he he's talking about fighting Mark Hunt. Um, you know, a, as a big Gallen fan, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, no, well, mate, I, I've met him a couple of times. Um, we've spoken back as a forwards on Instagram and all that sort of stuff. Like that. I've got nothing wrong with Paul Gallen at all. Um, if the guy wants to fight, I'm all in to fight because I want to get paid. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's no harm or, or, or no, no, nothing bad to say about the guy, but of course I'd want to fight. Um, in terms of Mark Hunt, though, mate, the, the hardest person I've ever sparred is Mark Hunt. I've, I hit him with everything I had, and he looked at me and smiled and just went bang. And I'm like, wow, this guy can punch, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I think it wouldn't be smart for Gallon to fight him, especially because it's not, it's not MMA, it's boxing. So all he has to do is worry about punches, and I think if he lands a few good punches, he's going to knock him right out and could hurt him yet. Yeah, it's made I don't know if I'll watch that one. Well, yeah, another name who who used to box at quite a high level, Sonny Bill Williams. Uh, was there? Yep. There was talk of you guys fighting, and I, I was I was right in that because do you remember the night Sonny Bill Williams had a fight against? I think it was Boda, and he was he was dying in the tenth, and they called it off and yes. said it was always a ten rounder. Exactly, yeah. Right. I, I, yeah, that's what that's that's good promoters. That's what that is. You know what I mean? That's... It was supposed to go twelve, and they've called it off at ten and said no, it's only a ten rounder because we don't want him to lose. It's... And the funny thing was, Boda was like, "No, nah, it's twelve rounds. It's twelve rounds." And then the next day, he goes, "No, nah, it was always 10. I wonder what yeah. you know brought about that. But uh... they him some dollars here for sure. <laughs> Sonny Bill, that that's a fight I'd like to see. You guys, similar sort of body types. Um, obviously, you got yep. the experience, but um. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing you drop Sonny Bill, I've, I've got to say. I, I like how you said similar bodies. I think he's got a, a few more abs than I do. <laughs> but, similar height, yeah. yeah. That's, that's two compliments already, that's bad. Um, now, honestly, like I think if he stuck just with boxing, he'd be a sensational boxer. Um, but we all know, like, he's a footy player who's fit as fuck doing some boxing. So, again... Credit to him. Um, I think he's, he's actually a really good boxer. Uh, when it comes to actually the, the nitty-gritty of it and signing a contract, he knew that I was too good for him and, and, and didn't want to do it, which is fair enough. Like, I've met him in person. Um, and, yeah, top again, top fella. We, we talk all the time, again, on uh, social media. 
Um, and I think he, he knew his limits, and I was, I was definitely past one of those limits. So that's fine, yeah. Mate, I, I didn't check. Have you ever fought on a mundane undercard? Yes. Um, I think it was a late replacement for me. It was um, Monday against Rabchenko in Melbourne, uh, one of his later fights. And uh, I fought Chauncey Welliver and, and absolutely, I broke his uh, eye socket. That's he right. Had that yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. That well. <laughs> that was, that's right. I, I remember that because I remember signing up just to watch you fight because I thought he's going to kill this bloke. Yeah, but again, one of those one of those tough nuts. Like he had a sensational career. Um, his record was awesome, and he never went down. Like he just he fought everyone and everyone, and may have lost, but he just never ever went down. So like he still didn't go down with me either. It's insane. Yeah. So tough. Made a fight I want to see you and Joseph Parker. Why hasn't that yeah. happened yet? It's, it's, it's always been on the cards it's always been spoken of um, just the fact that like at one point I had the world title and he says oh I want to fight you now and then when he had the world title like oh, I'll fight you now so it's just never really married up so to speak so I think now the fact that we both don't have world titles it's a good time um, in saying that he may have a different plan of what he wants to do um, for me Right now, all it is, have good fights, make some dollars, and retire happy. That, that's how I look at it. But he's a, he's a lot younger and got a lot more in his career to go, so I don't know. I'm not sure. Good. Have you got another title run in you, or is it just, just about getting through now? <sighs> yes, but what, what people don't understand, it, it's all about politics and money. It really, really is. Like, you look at someone like Povetkin, who's basically got done for steroids twice, then all of a sudden come back, fought for two titles, and now he's up for a world title again. Like, it's just, he's got the backing and the politics to, to go with it. Someone like Manuel Char, who's uh, fought and won for the title, although I held the WBA title, he got done for steroids. They did not strip him. They banned him for six months, and he still holds the title. So what the fuck's going on there? You know what I mean? So, unfortunately, I, I would love to. I think it's in me, Yes. But it does really, yeah, it's all about politics and, uh, and opportunity as well. See, like, Ruiz, uh, Ruiz, Ruiz, yeah, only got the title because um, Big Baby Miller got done for steroids. So because he got done, Ruiz jumped in on late notice, you know. So Ruiz was never going to get a title either, but because it was late notice, he jumped in and, and he won it. So it's really got to be opportunities, but definitely, like, money and that as well. Leopold, Leopold, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Had a um, similar yeah. where he was a late replacement, beat a bloke he had yeah. no chance of. Then had a world title fight. So you're not wrong there, yeah. mate. Um, you... um so, sorry, mate, go on. <laughs> no, I was just saying with Leopold, he uh, he wasn't supposed to win the fight before the world title. He was <laughs> he was basically the um, uh, the scapegoat. So. Because he then he then won the title, it's like oh shit, he won, so he's got a title shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was there to lose, but he, he won the fight. Full credit to him. But when he came to Klitschko, mate, he had absolutely nothing and was a, a whitewash. Yeah, mate, that Klitschko is a scary bloke. Both of them, in fact. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you UFC fan, mate? Oh, what? Sorry. A UFC fan? Yes. yes. Sorry. Yes, I actually watch UFC more than I do boxing. If I watch boxing, it's only heavyweights. Um, and I watch UFC all the time because I think it's just, it's more exciting, it's more fair, 
a lot of the times I watch boxing, I can tell you who wins by the time they walk out. You know what I mean? Like the promoters really do take care of their fighters and all that sort of stuff. Especially like a, a mundane card, I can tell you who's going to win before the fight starts. Um, where the UFC is, is really is just fuck whoever wins on that day and that, who's the better fighter wins. So I like that. Mate, there's a huge card this Sunday. They're, they're reopening with the Tony Ferguson title fight. It's um, it's gonna be insane. I I can't believe they're running. Like I just nothing in the in the US is running. Closed doors. Closed doors. Is that right? Yeah, closed doors. But there's um, there it was um and an and on and off and um, all sorts of things. But it's this Sunday. It's all booked. The pay per views ordered on my end. I, I can't wait. Well, I think yeah, the, the way everyone's going at the moment because there is so much. Um, availability in, reg- in regards to still watching it you still watch it you can't go but you still watch it I think the, the it's still there for people to buy it so I, I think they will put it on um, I hope they don't at, at the end just go fuck it sorry it's off but see from my point of view that, that's great that they've got something going in Vegas but when it comes to me travelling that's that's the bit I've got to worry about see will they relax the travelling bands and all that sort of shit before I can sort of get over there that's my problem Absolutely, mate. Hey, in terms of young up-and-coming Aussie boxers, I've seen plenty of sparring videos. A- anyone who stands out to you? Um, there, there, there are a lot of people, but the one I think that's going to really stand out, and this is, of course, more heavyweight than, than anything else, is um, ju- uh, Justice, I think it's Honey, H-U-N-I, or Huni, Honey Huni, but um, mate, it's just a, a very big, fit agile young man and uh who can bang so like so far he's in the amateurs and he's doing quite well but uh i think he's going to be very well suited to the uh the pros and i think he's going to do really well wait um your best win outside of the world title fight uh this also coincides with i think who is my hardest fight and it's just because i wasn't exactly ready for the fight um, I went in there thinking, fuck it, I- I'll just knock him out. Um, he was one of the toughest people I've ever gone against, and his name was Rodenko, Andre Rodenko. Um, over in the UK, I basically got to the fifth round, and I'm in, in my head, I always talk to myself during a fight anyway, but in-, in my head I'm sitting there going, fuck, this is how I lose my first fight, you know? And it, it took me to like the eighth round, and I thought, all right, we're going to come back, and I sort of rallied back, and we went through a full 12-round fight where I was tested all the way through it. Um, we bashed the shit out of each other and I only just just won like a, a split decision, I think it was. So it was a, a, a very um, humbling experience knowing that, shit, I'm not going to be able to knock everyone out. Uh, it was great that I got, I got tested. Um, I took my boxing glove and my wraps off and I had skin missing off my knuckles. That's how much I hit him. You know, so although was, uh, my hardest fight, yes, but it was also my, my, my biggest learner at the same time as well. Mate, you mentioned, you mentioned being undefeated. How important is that in boxing? I know a lot of casuals look at the record and see like they're 30-0, but, I mean, that's not always fair income. Is, nah. is that something that you guys try and hold on to or you fuck it, you fight or you fight? It's, it's easier to, to promote, and promoters like the zero. Um, but in saying that, if you're like like a wild, if you're 40 and 0, for example, no one really wants to fight you because you, you're that good. You know what I mean? But if you get that one loss, people go, hey, it can be done. 
So more people actually want to fight you. Obviously, you don't want to have 10 or 15 losses, but to have that one or two losses, people actually realise, shit, he can lose. So you're probably getting more fights because there is that doubt, so to speak. Um, in saying that, I think a lot of people like from other countries like an Argentinian, they all fight each other. Now, that's great. You might be 30-0, but you fought 30 shit people from Argentina, you know what I mean? The moment they go overseas, they get belted. And, and Australia is very much the same. I think if you do want to become anything good in the world, you have to fight overseas. You can't fight in Australia for the rest of your life and think I'm the best because I'm 30 and 0. When really you've all fought Aussies. You know? I mean, you've got to fight in UK, America, whatever it may be, and, and really sort of test yourself to be able to become something special. Hey, the, the last big fight I watched was the Fury Wilder fight. Did you hear the excuse he gave for losing after that his helmet was too heavy? His fucking outfit. Now, rightly so. What a stupid outfit to begin with. But what are you doing wearing it? You know what I mean? Like, you can't then come and say, oh, I had no legs in me. He's got no legs to begin with. Like, he's got chicken legs. But if you've got a world title fight, you, you do everything possible to benefit yourself, not to, to hinder it in any way whatsoever. So, suck shit to him. But... Fury fought the best fight ever and really dominated hard, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And he had the right idea. He had people carry him out. Yes, yes. Well, he, he also came in a lot heavier and he used his weight to put on him and stuff like that. And I think from start to finish, absolutely perfect fight to fight Wilder. Mate, just how big is that guy? He comes across as humongous. He went into the wrestling and he looked big amongst the wrestlers. Yeah. That's saying something. Yeah. He's... Um, He's, he's very long as well. Like, he's six foot nine. So, I'm six five, and he's, yeah, that much taller, you know what I mean? So, he's very long, and he's very crafty, but he moves like he's six foot, and that's the difference. He doesn't move like a giraffe. He moves like he's six foot tall, you know? So, he's only, I think he's about 110 or just under a kilo. So, he's he's not a massive fella, but height-wise and length and everything else, he's ginormous, yeah. Has he ever called you a dosser? He hasn't actually. You know what? I went over um, UK and I met up with him at his press conference. And out of everyone at the press conference, he goes, the only bloke that I respect, and he pointed to me and said, he's Big Daddy because I know he'll turn up for a fight. And I'm like, oh, well done. Thank you. So, yeah, a lot of respect backwards and forwards. I, I know he's got his, uh, he's Mr. Big Mouth as well. But he, yeah, much like a, um, what's the fuck we're from? Conor, Conor McGregor. <laughs> He, he talks his way into fights, but can back him up at the same time. So you can't discredit him for that, you know what I mean? Mate, if you met his dad, there's Twitter accounts um, yeah, dedicated yeah, to him. Yeah. He's like crazy as cut snake. I, um, I, I sparred Tyson Fury for a few, probably six rounds uh, before the white fight. And it was just like a, a spur of the moment thing. So he was still half a fat fucker then. Like he wasn't his trim self. Uh, but as I said, crafty as hell. So him, a couple of his brothers, his uncle, his dad, they all came down to watch as well. Now, here I am a week and a half out from a fight. Luckily, I had my headgear on. He was throwing spinning back elbows and all sorts of shit at me, like landing. And after it, I've gone over and had a chat with his dad, and he goes, oh, you're very mentally strong, I went, Okay, thank you, but why do you say that? He goes, oh, he was testing you something severe, but you're very mentally strong. I went, thanks for that. I've got a fight in a week and a half. You don't fucking throw elbows at me. <laughs> Stop but cutting up. That's who they are, man. They're, they're yeah, travellers. <laughs> that would have been tremendous. Mate, your your partner and your kids, do they watch you fight? 
yes. If, if it's in Australia, uh, my missus will come. Um, I think my, my daughter, who's now 21, she wants to come and watch. But uh, they haven't watched them live. They, they watch on TV. Um, I think my youngest, who's 16, like that's my boy, he's, um, he doesn't like watching. He likes watching after, knowing that I've won, he'll watch it then. <laughs> but I'm like, fair enough. Like, I don't really care. I, I don't want to have them in the crowd and me worrying about what they're thinking. It's a good point. Obviously, yeah. from, from, a, from a father's point of view. So I'm like, fuck it, don't come. I don't have to worry about you then. I just have to worry about what I'm doing in my job, you know what I mean? So it makes it easier. Mate, I've got no idea how the family do it. After, after speaking to you and, and taking some photos out, out Penrith Way, watching you yeah. fight, it was like, oh, my God, I know this guy. Like watching Luke Jackson fight. God, let alone being family or close friends, it must be an insane yeah. ride. It makes a massive difference when you actually know the person. And as you said, if they're family, yeah, 100%. Um, that's a, one reason why I've never, ever allowed or invited my mum to come because she's probably one of those ones that go, stop touching my boy, you know, it's like, <laughs> fuck off, don't, you're not going anywhere near me, Joy. But like, you've, you've seen footages of uh, um, like people who bring their little kids and they get belted and the kids are crying. I'm like, fuck, it's, it's got to be traumatic in itself, you know what I mean? So just because I win doesn't mean I haven't been belted up either, you know? So you can never sort of tell. So, yeah, I'll, I'll wait to see how they go in the, in the coming years. But uh, you never know, I might be retired by then. <laughs> Food up. Mate, how are you during camp? Uh, in what regards? Yeah, with, with the family, I've, um, I've spoken to a few boxers who have said that they have to move away during camp because they just they can't be around family. Yeah, um, a bit of both. Uh, I was doing a, my camp in Sydney. So from that point of view, I was away for six to eight weeks in camp. Um, it, it is 50-50. Yes, I'm away from them because I, I do get into a, like a real shithead mode and I call it fight mode where I'm just snappy at everyone for everything. Um, but at the same time, you miss your family, you know what I mean? So it's a 50-50 split. Um, luckily, like as you said, with, with Skype and all the rest of it, you, you can see them often. But yeah, just, just, just being able to yell at your kids when you want to is different. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of both. Um, I, I really want to be around my, my, my kids and my family and all the rest of it. But at the same time, I'm probably not the best person to be around. So... <laughs> It is hard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good trade-off. Mate, one, one final question. You, you're you without doubt the most social guy I, I've spoken to in boxing. You reply to messages. You're not afraid to call people out on stupid comments. You get some of the most ridiculous trolls, and you check some of these photos, and they're four foot nothing and 120 kilos. I, Mate, I, I, get, I cop it because I write a bit. I can only imagine what you cop. The UK fans, though, seem to be the worst for some reason. For some reason, I don't know why. Like I, I, when it came to the world title, yes, I won the world title. But as soon as the drugs thing come out, I got absolutely crucified, like you would not believe. Like I'm talking proper abusive, not so much death threats, but almost. But I'm talking. I was, I was blocking 30, 40 people a day just from the shit that I copped. Now, even even to now, like if I someone put up a, a post, and because there's no fighting going on, everyone's putting up, you know. Uh, what about this fantasy fight? And, you know, the older older Klitschko brother against AJ, how would it went? And I said, oh, Klitschko would have smashed him. Now, because I said that, I've just given my opinion on that fight. That's never going to happen. You know what I mean? But five, six people from UK all gone, who gives a fuck? You're shit. <laughs> I'm like, 
What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> oh, Dylan White bashed you. What the fuck is that got to do with anything? You know, the question was, would Vitaly beat AJ? And I said yes. Like, and then they have a go at me. Like, I think social media has really given so many people the avenue to be able to abuse people without getting in trouble. Because, like, yeah, growing up, there wasn't social media. So if you wanted to say something, you say it to the face and expect to get belted. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how it was. So I think, unfortunately, there's a, a, a very sad part of humanity that really puts their opinion out there like everyone actually wants to hear it, but just without the consequences of, of saying something. And I think it's quite sad because, yes, I'm, 40 years, I'm 41 years old now, so I can take the bullying, etc. But, like, you've got kids who no doubt would get smashed by things, you know. So it's not a good thing for kids to be go through. Now, in saying that, I also look at, say, uh, Muhammad Ali. Imagine there was social media in Muhammad Ali's day. So not but not only being black, being Muslim, but not going and then not going to the army. Like he would have got absolutely crucified by social media. So I'm thinking it's just part of the times, and you're either with it or not. So I've got to sort of roll with the punches. Yeah, mate, it's always enjoyable, and I love I love when you have a go at those those twits because most people, and I myself do it. I'll, I'll throw a sarcastic comment knowing that they're never going to respond. And when you get a response, you sort of look out your windows, oh, shit, like, what? <laughs> didn't want that to happen. But like most, most of the people, when you look at their profiles, they've got no profile picture and, and no posts. <laughs> so they're just there to fucking shit stir. And, and people actually, I've, I've, I've responded and gone like, shut up, fuck with. And then they've posted up a picture of like a fishing line and a, and a fish, like, oh, I'm just fishing. Like, so you've deliberately done that so I can say, fuck off. Well done, mate. You know, like, <laughs> your life must be awesome. You know oh. what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it's unreal. Mate, getting all the girls. Mate, anyone who wants to catch you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, I've, I've pissed Twitter right off because I think Twitter's just a breeding ground for fuckwits. So I've literally pissed it off altogether. So I've got um, two Facebook pages. There's Lucas, Lucas Brown. Um, there's also a Big Daddy Brown like a fan page pretty much if I post on one I'm posting on both anyway so um, and Lucas uh, Big Daddy Brown on Instagram again anything I post is on all three but uh, yeah I'm, I'm open and, and messenger and all that sort of shit on all of them so I'll get back to you uh, if, if you want to send a message I always get back to you mate thank you so much for putting some time away aside tonight and especially on short notice um, mate, I'm looking forward to seeing you fight again. If you could put one in Sydney, Cronulla Leagues Club, perhaps it's about ten minutes from my place. That'd be really nice. <laughs> mate, I, I like the way you think. Um, only if they pay me, mate. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm not fighting a gallon, for example, when he's getting paid four hundred and I'm getting twenty. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense to me. So, if they want to pay me, I will fight all day, every day in Australia, no problems whatsoever. But they got to pay me for it. So, yeah. If not, I'll be fighting UK. And uh, USA from now on. Fair call, mate. One last question before I let you go. Who's winning the uh, the footy premiership this year? Fuck. To be honest, I have not watched anything um, at all. So I'm saying Parramatta. Parramatta? <laughs> mate. Well, that... Parramatta's the best team on the planet. Mate, there you go. Well, me and the co-host actually tip Parramatta to win. So that's that's three from three. Mate, they've got the new stadium and everything as well. So yeah, everything's uh, a go for them. So why not? Absolutely, mate. Well, I hope you're wrong, but um, if you're right, at the end of the year, give me grief. Mate, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, Terry, you missed a good one tonight, mate, but uh, that's on you, I'm afraid. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.